0: Okay church, how many of you know you've got a reason to celebrate and if you can't find a reason just celebrate the love of Jesus. Look at somebody and say celebrate his love. I thank the Lord For your spirit within I thank the Lord Again and again I thank the Lord I thank the Lord I thank the Lord Sing it again For the breath in my lungs I thank the Lord The life in my soul I thank the Lord The joy in my heart I thank the Lord I thank the Lord I thank the Lord i over
1: sin, I thank the Lord. For the Spirit within, I thank the Lord. Again and again, I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord. For the cross and the blood, I praise the Lord. For the victory won, I praise the Lord. And for all that's to come, I praise the Lord. I praise the Lord.
0: have a story do you have history with god has he been faithful to you has he always provided for you has he always made a way come on somebody think about your own testimony if you were healed of cancer celebrate if you were healed of addiction
2: celebrate come on somebody celebrate if you've been set free celebrate the cross is more than enough to celebrate Lord of
0: Jesus, yeah
1: hey.
0: For the breath in my lungs, I thank the Lord. For life in my soul, I thank the Lord. For joy in my heart, I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord. I love this. For power over sin, I thank the Lord. For Your Spirit within, I thank the Lord. Again. And Again, I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord. I thank
1: the Lord for breath. For the breath in my lungs, I thank the Lord. For right life in my soul, I thank the Lord. For joy
0: in my heart, I thank the Lord. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I thank the Lord. I
1: thank the Lord. For The power of the sin, for the power of the sin, I thank the Lord.
0: My Savior has on me, and like a flood, His mercy on unending love, amazing grace. Singing, my chains are gone. ransomed me and like the blood his mercy raised unending love amazing you sing it church my chains my
1: chains are gone
0: in my lungs I thank the Lord for life in my soul church can you just take a moment and lift your own song to him let's just fill this room with worship Fill this room with a sound of praise come on even if it's a simple i love you i worship you i adore you i magnify you there's no one like you lord not a single one like you lord there will never be another like jesus come on lift your affection to him a song of adoration to God. Oh, Lord. oh, we exalt your holy name. We exalt your holy name. We exalt your holy it church just lift that to him lift it to him magnify the name that is above all names magnify 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 the lord 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 oh magnify the lord with me
1: thing done.
3: of his people your hallelujah is more than just a hallelujah your thank you Jesus is more than just a thank you Jesus when you choose to defy yourself and open your mouth uh, you give all of heaven room and permission to come sit down right where you are hear me the Bible does not say inhabits the problems of his people it says he inhabits the praises of his people in other words if you want God to sit down in a problem
2: you've got to learn to be the one who knows how to give him praise which means this worship
3: is not an act of sovereignty because if God had to make you worship it wouldn't be worship Worship is an act of the will, which is why David said, I will bless
2: the Lord at all times. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will. Oh, there you are. There you are. There you are. There you are. So here's what
3: I want us to do. I want us to take the last 60 seconds right here and I want us to
2: lift up our hands, open up our mouths and fill this sanctuary with pure, authentic, unadulterated, uncompromised. Oh yeah, oh yeah! Would you take 60 seconds all across this room and open your mouth and give the Lord praise you we praise you you got 30 seconds don't stop don't stop don't stop heaven is invading god is coming he's moving he's moving right now when you worship 15 here comes god here comes god here comes the lord to your body here comes the lord to your mind here comes the lord to your family you got five seconds to lose your mind and worship the lord in this place i feel something breaking in this room i feel something shifting on your behalf the king of glory has come who can stop the lord who can stop god nobody can stop the lord somebody's getting a miracle right now somebody's getting breakthrough right now me online. This is your breakthrough too. Wherever you're sitting watching this, uh, begin to praise the Lord. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in here. He's worthy. about feeling, but something is shifting on your behalf. I know it's not about feeling, but God is moving on your behalf.
3: Now here's what we're going to do. We are going to give the Lord something that is biblical. We are going to give him the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise is the praise by which we give God despite how we feel. Come on, y'all. Despite how it seems, despite what the situation looks like, we give God this kind of praise to say, God, no matter what, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. So here comes a shout of praise that is sacrificial are you
2: ready come on this is it on the count of three give him all you got one hallelujah two three somebody give him some praise is leaving. Suicide is leaving. Anxiety is leaving. Because the King is coming. The King is coming. The King is coming.
3: How many believe we are in the atmosphere of miracles right here, right now? There are some people we're about to pray avenues by which god invades humanity is praise but it's also prayer when we pray god gets involved amen there are some real needs michelle right now pastor jackie told me a lady by the name of michelle is fighting for her life with a cancer diagnosis as we speak there are two twins mk and rue twins that need a miracle that are on their deathbed right now how many believe that god is bigger than any issue we face in our life and God is not intimidated by the problem come on are you ready to help me pray if you've got a need in your family in your life would you slip up your hands come on let's pray right here right now father in the name of Jesus in your presence there is fullness of joy in your presence we are able to call upon the one who does all things well and makes all things new I pray today Lord that you would enter into the hearts and the lives of the men and women that are standing in this room and that you would touch bodies, renew minds heal families, save children I give you glory Lord for what you're doing in our midst uh, but today we call out Michelle right now. Father we declare that the report of the Lord will prevail that healing is her poor And I declare in this very self-same hour, Michelle, be healed in the name of Jesus. I call these twins out, uh, MK and Rue. I don't know if you can hear me. I don't know if you can hear what I'm saying. But in the name of Jesus, we say you shall live and not die. And Father, I declare it over every man and every woman. This is our portion. Victory belongs to Jesus. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, somebody shout amen. Amen. Come on now, put those hands together and give him some praise in the room. You can return to your seats, you can be seated, but as you're seated, just look at somebody and say, God is, here. God is here. How many know if we gather and God doesn't, then it's not okay. Right. But the presence of the Lord is what makes the difference. Somebody shout amen. amen. I said it's the presence of the Lord that makes the difference. Amen. Are you glad to be in church today? I feel revival. Me too. I, I feel yes, such I a glory in this room. Well, it's so good to see everybody. You look so good. Everybody yes. looks so good. Isn't I know we got some. Yeah, I know we got some first time guests. <laughs> I hear you. I know we got some first time guests. Yeah. Would you take a second and welcome all yes. of our first time guests, it babe? It is
4: your very first time to Calvary seems like I see a lot of new faces or people that haven't been in a while but if it's your first time or maybe you haven't been in a while just slip up your hands we want to welcome you we're not going to embarrass you yes lots over here yes well some people say if you come twice your family but my motto is if you come first your family so welcome to the family welcome home if you are tuning in for the first time online just uh type guest and we'll be sure to reach out to you and there's actually some information on the screen there's actually information I believe in the seats as well but for every card that is turned in we give we give five dollars to our abundant life ministry which is our uh, foster adoption and wraparound ministry so your first Sunday you can already make a difference and if it's your first time we're going to be in guest central after service you just walk out these doors, and we're to the left. We would love to meet you, shake your hand, hug your neck,
3: and Absolutely. we're excited you're here. Y- you're so pretty, I almost forgot what uh, I was going to say next, in <laughs> the name of Jesus. Amen. I can say that, y'all. A uh, couple things going on that we want you to take note of that are so important. Men, tonight is the night. Where are all my men at? Make some noise, men. Where you yeah. at, men? Men, tonight, we have a prayer night in the chapel at 6 p.m. We want all the men to join us It'll be a night of of great prayer. How many know that prayer is a passion of Calvary? It's part of what we do. It's part of our DNA and our structure. So, men, join us tonight. It's going to be an incredible night of prayer. And then last week was phenomenal. It was the vow. Yeah. How many enjoyed the vow? It was
4: so beautiful. Like, it was so pretty. They were prepping all week long, putting the flowers and everything in the foyer. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's going to be so beautiful. But seriously, it pales in comparison to what God did in this church last Sunday, it was really amazing, and there were over 300 salvations. I'm going to give you time to praise the Lord for that, because that's pretty incredible. But I don't think I can do it justice, so we're going to play a video for a recap from last week.
5: He stands in this room by the Holy Spirit, and he asks the question: Will You forsake everything you've tried. abandon trying to save yourself and redeem yourself because your way ain't been working anyway will you forsake all that and will you cling to me will you give yourself to me it doesn't matter that you've been chosen if you don't choose it back the cross doesn't mean anything for you if you don't claim it as your very own this. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to be good enough for it. Because Jesus went to the cross for you and you did deserve it and me too. And your response will affect your entire eternity. Two words could change everything. I am.
3: Absolutely powerful. Absolutely powerful. I want Pastor Jamie to join me. 300 people across our campuses gave their hearts to Jesus. But I know that you saw what happened in here, but before uh, we were in here, Pastor Jamie, our outreach pastor, don't we love Pastor Jamie so much. Isn't he incredible? Pastor Jamie, you had some amazing things happening in your area. Why don't you take just a second and share?
6: Yes, we had we heard from the Lord a while ago to do a big event for our VIPs. So we had the best Sunday ever last Sunday, and we had 140 VIPs come in. Uh, over 255 uh, people attended the event. But our heart was to bring, we brought over 25 community organizations that come and help the homeless from Medicare to insurance to haircuts to counseling, uh, mental health. Uh, domestic abuse uh, organizations housing job placements we gave out bus passes we gave out um, 140 brand new hoodies 80 jeans over 100 blankets but one thing that we wanted to do is bring the community together and just having over 25 organizations here on a sunday at a church um, over there to come together and help our homeless Um, that was an awesome time we had over 65 of our dream teamers uh, served We had a backyard barbecue. God did amazing things. Wow. We had nine salvations. Wow. Amen. Come on. Five got saved over there. Four got saved over here in service. Uh, but I wanted just to thank all of our outreach uh, team leaders and our team that made this happen. Over two months, we worked on this and God just did amazing things. One thing I wanted to tell you is a testimony. An un- unaccompanied youth who is homeless, uh, going to school, uh, connected with one organization, got into a program with a high school, walked over to the next table, got housing. Amen. Walked over to the next table, got a cell phone. And now he has transportation to and from school and a home and is no longer homeless. So that's just one thing that God did. So Amen. Come
0: on, you
3: can do just a little bit better than that. That's your church in action impacting this city. Y'all better hold me back. I'm glad we've got a guest. I would have (laughs) run right there all around this church. Isn't it amazing to know that God is using you, your giving, your resources to impact people in a profound way? People that you may never impact are getting impacted by the gospel and by the, by, well, the felt needs that they need to make. it. listen, before we move to offering, I want to tell you that next week we're going to be doing something very important. Uh, aside from our hearts for those who are local, we have a heart for missions, don't we, church? 160 plus missionaries that we support on a uh, really on a monthly basis. Yeah. Next week, we're going to take up a very special offering. You know, we don't normally take up special offerings. We're going to take up a very special offering, uh, for, uh, to build some churches in Asia Pacific. Uh, right now they have a popular, the Christian population in those is less than 5%. Wow. Come on y'all. They need Jesus. Yes. And so Calvary's going to jump in, and we're going to try to plant, watch this, four churches and train pastors in Buddhist countries to make a difference for Jesus. And we're going to take that offering up next week. Now, I need you to do something. I need you not just to clap for it and shout for it. I need you to pray about it. I need you to think about what God would have you give. And wouldn't it be awesome to get to heaven one day and see people that say, because of what you gave, I found out about Jesus. Come on. And now I'm in eternity with you. That's a good thing. Amen? Well, is anybody blessed in the room today? All my blessed people make some noise. Let's give it up for Pastor Christian as he comes to take up the offering.
7: Come on, Calvary, one more time. Can you put your hands together for the Lord in this place today? Isn't he incredible? How many of you guys believe that the God we serve is a faithful God? You know, the Bible teaches us that even when we are faithless, he is still faithful And Pastor Josh said something just a moment ago that really confirmed to me uh, what I'm about to share with you in offering today because uh, how many of you know that we have a mandate to fulfill the Great Commission? Not optional. The Great Commission is twofold. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28 that we are to declare the gospel and then we are to baptize and disciple nations in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible also says in the book of Matthew 10 and Mark chapter 16 that we are to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. We are to fulfill the Great Commission in all avenues. And here's what I want to submit to you today. I want you to know that it is your faithfulness in giving that enables us to be faithful in fulfilling the Great Commission. It is your faithfulness in giving That enables us to be faithful in fulfilling the Great Commission. This morning we just launched our Matthew 28 expression of the Great Commission called Foundations by which we brought new converts, new believers into our youth and young adult sanctuary and we began to teach them on the four foundational doctrines and principles, excuse me, the four foundational principles of the early church by which they can live a life of discipleship. Because how many of you know discipleship matters in the kingdom of God? But I was a little torn on what I would say for offering today and uh, many of you guys knew, uh, know about the revival uh, swirl that we had happening back in February, March, and April. And there was amazing things that took place in this church. And there was one person in particular that was sovereignly touched by the Spirit of God in our foyer. Uh, One day during the week, he came in. He said he was driving by the property. And uh, you guys may remember his face from a video that we had put together. But he was driving by the property and he said something told him to stop in and receive prayer. And he came in and we prayed with him and the power of God touched him and changed his life and began a sanctification journey in his life. And I want to take a little bit and tell you about that today. Adam, can you stand up? Can we put our hands together and bless Adam? You guys remember Adam. Y'all remember him. (laughs) And as Pastor Josh said this, he said, your giving enables us to impact people's lives that you may know nothing about. And I said, Lord, I know what you want to do. I asked Adam to come up here because I wanted to share this with you. After Adam had been with us that day, he had uh, went on uh, through life and a hard time hit his life, and he shared with me, and I asked him if I could share this. Uh, He tried to commit suicide and take his own life. But how many of you know that he who began a good work is faithful and just to complete it until the day of Christ? He told me that when they found him unresponsive, they told him that he was praying in a language that they had never heard before and that even though he may have felt faithless our God was still faithful and he just told me that today he's 41 days clean and he is on a path to glorification in Christ Jesus that God is still doing a work in his life I don't know if you heard me Calvary but it's your faithfulness in giving that enables us to be faithful to fulfill the great commission So when I count to three, I want you to bless God and let him know that we're behind him every step of the way and that God is faithful. Are you ready? One, two, three, lift it up this morning, Calvary. Come on, church. He's faithful this morning. He's faithful this morning. Oh, I feel the anointing of God. So I want to empower you this morning and give you the opportunity to be faithful in your giving so that we can be faithful to fulfill the Great Commission in this place today. We believe in it. Tithe is 10% of our income. We give tithes and offerings to see the kingdom of God perpetuated in the earth through the work of the Great Commission in the local church. And I want to invite you into that today. How many of you guys believe it's important to be faithful in giving today? You see the fruit of what God is doing in this house. So I want you to grab your tithe and your offering and hold it before the Lord. If you feel led to give significantly today, do it. The more significantly we give, the more significant work we can do on the earth. And let me tell you something. There's nothing more important than souls in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you to death. There's something in this house today, y'all, I'm telling you. Father, I bless you. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and what you're saying. Lord, I thank you for this moment today. I sense, Lord, that there was somebody in this room that needed to see and hear that you are good and that you are faithful. Lord, I declare every yoke shall be destroyed by the anointing today. Lord, set people free. Bless us as we give to perpetuate the work of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Put your hands together and bless the Lord, church. And
0: the angels cry holy our creation Christ holy you are lifted high
1: holy holy forever
0: hear your people. To the King of Kings Thank you for what you do You will always be Holy forever and the angels and the angels cry Lift it up, come on For creation Christ, you are lifted high oh, holy holy forever. What you've given, can you stand to your feet and sing it with us? Oh hear your people sing, sing. Holy to the king of
3: us some praise in the room. Listen, you may be seated. Whoo! Y'all feel what I feel in this room today? <laughs> the presence of the Lord is so tangible, so real. The anointing of God, the glory of the Lord is filling this place. And we are so honored today to have a special, I think it's more than special, at incredible guest with us today, Calvary joining us in this pulpit for the next few moments is a man that uh, loves the Lord with all of his heart. In a few short moments in the back with him, I'd never met him until today. uh, I caught his heart and before he is a speaker and before he is a person that has written the books and the movies, you can tell he's a man of God. And how many know Calvary? We love it when men of God share the heart of God for God's people. In just a few moments, author, movie, I mean, they made this encounter a motion, uh, motion picture. Don Piper will grace this pulpit, and when he does, we're going to welcome him the way Calvary welcomes guests, and we're going to jump up on our feet, and we're going to thank God for the man of God. But before we do, let me just say, it's so, we're so honored to have you and your wife. We believe God has sent you for such a time as this and what's in your heart is going to change lives today. Amen, church? So before he comes, watch this. But when he comes, let's give him a Calvary welcome. Watch the screens.
2: I was the father of three children, the husband of a wonderful wife, a man with a great future. On January 18th, 1989, died. When I woke up, I was in heaven.
0: The man in the red ford is deceased.
8: I'd like to pray for him. He's
1: alive! You got Paul?
6: From what we've heard, Don's car was wrecked by an 18-wheeler. Their husband
0: was very badly injured. We are doing everything we can to save
6: him. I'm so
1: scared. God, please help us.
8: It's going to be tough, but Don needs you now.
1: I fought all I can. I'm ready to die.
2: You got all these people who care so much for you, and you have no idea how
8: much they love.
7: We're going to pray all night for you.
8: We're taking over from here.
2: I have denied them the blessing of caring. You were right. Amidst all of the suffering, I've learned that heaven is real. You prayed? I'm here.
8: I'm just an old man that got run over by a truck, but thank you. <laughs> Since I was with you 11 years ago, a lot has happened. Well, if you know, a lot has happened in the past 11 years of your life, right? But um, how many do remember that I did come before? Anyone? There's some hands. Great. All right. Well, it's good to be back. My father in the ministry, his name was Damon De- De- Vaughn. He used to say, if you get invited back somewhere, they must have liked you. And so I am honored, deeply honored to be here today. It is a great privilege. If you're here today and you're a first-time guest, thank you for coming. I don't know whether you notice or not, but they do this every week right about this time. So come back when I'm not here. You'll be blessed. I mean, if you've been paying attention, you can see what God is doing in this place. I mean, if you live in the area and you don't have a church home, this would be a great one right here. So I encourage you to come back. You need a church home. We couldn't have made it through the things that we went through without one. I didn't know that my life would be for sale at Walmart, you know? But it is and it was. I guess you noticed that uh, Hayden Christensen uh, played me in the movie. Uh, my kids have started calling me Darth Preacher now. I guess everybody doesn't know he was Anakin Skywalker. All right. Um, A very fine young man, but we were honored to make the movie. This movie came out in uh, 2015, and uh, Kate Bosworth uh, plays my wife. You could see that uh, Fred Thompson is in the movie, big Fred Thompson. In fact, it was the last movie Fred ever made. He was uh, sick during the time the movie was being made. Michael W. Smith is in the movie. Uh, He, uh, one of the great Christian songwriters of the past 30, 40 years, and then... He's in the movie. He's an actor, too. Just to have so much talent is ridiculous, but he, he did and he does, and it was great to, to be with him. Dwight Yoakam plays a Texas lawyer. Seems like te- typecasting to me, but um, it's interesting to have a movie made about your life. Um, it's based on this book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. I wrote this book so I would never have to talk about it. <laughs> that has not gone well. Um, I mean, so far, I've I've been in uh, 5,000 venues uh, around the world. You know, sometimes you try to put something behind you and God puts that in front of you. Have you noticed this? Uh, Many of you know what I'm talking about because you tried to get over something and that's what God used to bless other people. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, but that's what 90 minutes is. After this service, I'll be out in the foyer. And uh, we have some books out there, but you could just come by and say hello. My wife is out there also, Eva. She is the, hor- the the hero of the story. I survived this accident. She overcame the accident. So she is the hero. In fact, she has her own book. It's called A Walk Through the Dark, How My Husband's 90 Minutes in Heaven Deepened My Faith for a Lifetime. And uh, it's quite a magnificent book about being a caregiver and trying to get through a long, dark night, which she did. And then the, the latest book I have is called People I Met at the Gates of Heaven, Who is Going to Be There Because of You? That'll, come, that'll become obvious before we finish what that actually means. But this is the sequel to this book. Since I was here last, I've written four books, but these are the beginning and the end of the story. And... Um, did a couple of movies. We have a movie out right now called After Death. Anybody seen this movie? All right, well, it's playing in, in uh, now 1,700 theaters across the country, so you can just get on After Death at tickets, and you'll see where it's playing in this area. Um, it's a bo- it's a, actually a documentary on people like me who have had these kinds of experiences, except some of the people in this movie have gone to hell and come back to talk about that. That ought to sober somebody up if you're (laughs) worried about it. So After Death is playing right now in theaters across the country, at least for this coming week. It's been in the theaters for uh, three weeks, doing very well. It's creepy to see yourself about 30 or 40 feet tall in a movie theater. Uh, Every zit, every little thing you have on your face is right up there on the screen. But uh, it's a powerful movie, and it's a great movie to take somebody to that is not ready for death. I don't know if you notice it's not, but the death rate here is 100%. You're not getting out of this alive. Unless Jesus returns in our lifetime and we'll be raptured right away, uh, one of these days, uh, you're going to take your last breath here and you're going to take your next breath somewhere else because there is life after death. And those are the options, heaven and hell. I found out the hard way I got run over by a truck 1989 on the way to church. What does that say? What it says to me is you better be ready all the time. I mean, if you came today or you're watching, I got to tell you, you're going to die. And I'm not saying that to be maudlin. I'm saying because it's reality. And you need to be ready for what happens next. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. You're not going because you're good. Or your mother was a Methodist or a Presbyterian or something. I mean, it's a personal decision that you're going to have to make yourself. And guess what? We're taking reservations this morning. That's why we're here. Let me give you a brief overview of what happened. I was on my way to church in 1989. And uh, I'd been at a pastor's conference. It lasted for three days. And I'm on my way home. Uh, for Wednesday night service, uh, we had a Wednesday night service in our church. I got a Bible study on the seat beside me. I was supposed to teach that night. I have a stack of sermons on the other side of that on the seat of my car because I'm going to begin a new sermon series the, the next week. We had a lot of new Christians in our church, new believers, and it was, it was really a good idea to kind of talk about what we believe. So the first sermon on the stack of, that, uh, stack of sermons was called, I Believe in a Great God. The next one is I believe in Jesus, the Son of God. The next one is I believe in the Holy Spirit. Then I believe in baptism. I believe in, I believe in communion. You know, I believe in, 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 in giving and offering. I mean, you could see where we were going with these sermons. I never did preach any of these sermons in my church because I never got to. I did actually preach one sermon in my church 34 years later. I was at that same church I was headed that day and guess what I was preaching the sermon I had planned to preach that Sunday. You know why? Because a state trooper found the pages of the sermons kind of strode all over the bridge. He he realized it was a sermon so he picked up the pages and gave it to my family cuz he thought they might like it as a keepsake. 33 years later, I preached that sermon in the church I was headed that day. I'm slow but I'm sure. Incidentally, it was the sermon, I believe in a great God. So I went out of the gates of the conference center. About 10 minutes out of the gates, you have to cross a bridge. And we have a picture of that bridge. Uh, it's called the Trinity River Bridge. And um, I was crossing the bridge. There it is. That's the real bridge, not the movie bridge. And I'm crossing the bridge. And at the end of it, the, the, it's a steep embankment. You go to the end of the bridge, and then you have to go up. Coming down from the opposite direction is a tractor-trailer truck. I'm almost off the bridge, but I'm not quite off the bridge. Coming down, tra- tractor-trailer truck. He said there was a slow-moving car over in his lane, so he swerved over into my lane. It hit me head on. Tractor-trailer truck, I was driving a Ford Escort. Not much of a contest, really. He rolled over the top of my car, crushed it with me in it, went off the back of my car, went back in the lane he was supposed to be in. He hit two more cars, so it's a, a, a four-collision a, a vehicle, a four-collision accident on this bridge near the end of it. So, uh, miraculously, everybody else was okay. But I am a fatality. I was killed instantly, which brings up an interesting question. What am I doing in Florida? (laughs) I'm going to ask you the same question. What are you doing here that matters? I mean, what do you have to show for your life up to this point? Why are you here? We'll come back to that. So when I was killed, they covered up the body. It was a hideous accident. I'd been dismembered. I'd been torn apart. I had uh, internal injuries because the steering wheel went sideways. We have a couple of pictures of the real car at the wrecking yard after it was put on a platform truck and taken there. Uh, You can see the trajectory of the truck as it went over the top of the car and shoved it up against the railing of the bridge. You can see in the next picture... Uh, the steering wheel that had gone horizontal and crushed my chest. My head had been knocked against the side of the car, so I had brain damage. My wife still thinks I have brain damage, and this works <laughs> out pretty good. And uh, I feel like I do sometimes myself. But uh, this is at the raking guard, so you can see the roof has been cut off and then put back down on top of the car. So I'm killed instantly. It was a, It was so awful to see they covered me up with a waterproof tarp. I mean, it's, it's raining and cold. It's a terrible weather day there on the bridge. So I'm covered up with a tarp, and people are now backing up in both directions for miles because it was the only bridge across that lake. Back behind me were lots of other pastors who were on their way to their churches all over that part of Texas. And one of them walked up on the bridge with his wife, Dick and Anita, on a record. Anita is featured in this new movie, After Death. They walk up, they see the accident, and Dick on a record said he heard the voice of God. You know God's doing a lot more talking than we are listening. Well, he was talking and this guy was listening because this is what God said. Pray for the man in the red car. Well, that's not part of his theology, praying for dead people. But he was obedient. Isn't that what God's interested in? Hey, if you only did things you understood, you probably wouldn't do very much. Well, we do all things all the time that we don't understand. I, I just get so frustrated when people say, if I could see God, then I would believe in Him. We, we do things that we can't see, and we believe in that. Try not stopping at a stoplight on the way home today. No, you're going to put your foot on the brakes. You don't have to stand hydraulic brakes to use them, have faith in them. So it's, this guy is praying for a dead guy. He crawls in the back of that car. You saw that it was kind of crushed over this way. He couldn't get in the front or the side, so he crawls in the back. He gets permission. I mean, they wouldn't let him in the car, but he pleaded with the, the state trooper to let him get in the car. That didn't make any sense, but he knew God was talking to him. So he got under the tarp with a dead body. He put his hand on my right shoulder, and he begins to pray for me because God told him to. He's under the tarp in the dark now, praying over a dead body, holding on to my right shoulder, because this is the only thing I didn't break, my right arm. So, what a sight that must have been. What a sound it must have been, coming from under that tarp with a dead guy. Well, he's not the only one praying by that time, because they searched me, trying to find out who I was. When they found my identity, they called my church. That's where I was headed, the church in Alvin, south of Houston. But I wasn't going to make it. I was already dead. So, the church has told I've been in a bad accident, but not that I'm a fatality, because they don't do that on the phone if they can avoid it. They were making arrangements to go find my family and notify them of my death. So, the church starts praying too. And, and the church starts calling every church in the phone book. Does anybody remember phone books? Okay. Well, Houston phone books were about like this. So they just started tearing out pages and people started calling every church they could think of and asking them to pray for me. They didn't know I was already dead. So this spreads across the country. It spreads around the world, no exaggeration. In a very short period of time, perhaps tens of thousands of people are praying for the preacher on the bridge. They don't know I'm a fatality. But I said God was speaking. He's also listening. He's listening to all the prayers of these people. And one in particular who's in the car with the body holding onto my right shoulder. Now, while this praying is going on, I'm having the best time ever. If I had known they were praying, I would have told them to stop. I mean, if you've been to heaven, you don't want to be here. But they're praying, and of course, God is listening. This goes on for an hour and a half. How do we know this? The accident happened at 1145. We have the traffic. accident report, 11.45 a.m. on the bridge. It's now 1.15 in the afternoon. Dick on a record is under the tarp praying over my dead body. People are praying all over the world who don't know that I'm a fatality. Dick has begun to alternate verbal prayers with musical prayers. You know what musical prayers are? We just did some. This is musical prayers. They're really offerings to God. They're prayers put to music. And God loves them, I can promise you, because I heard them in heaven. So he's singing hymns. And he's singing an old hymn called What a Friend Do We Have in Jesus. You know this song? Yeah, it's a great song. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. He's not just singing it, he's doing it. Under the tarp, in the dark, holding under my right shoulder. An hour and a half after the accident, he's singing that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And suddenly, without any warning, under the tarp, in the dark, I start singing the song with him. Yeah. It won't surprise you to know that he got out of the car really fast <laughs> and went over to the policeman, the one he he probably pleaded with, and the one that was picking up the sermon, he told the policeman, officer, the dead man is singing, <laughs> and nobody believed that. I do remember singing with him in the dark, and I did not know who he was, and I didn't know where I was. So he had to plead with them to come and check on me. Four, there were four ambulances there. Three had already left. One was packing. It was leaving. They had another vehicle to take away, take away the body. It's not an ambulance. So he goes over to the ambulance people that he and said, you, you need to come and check on this guy. He's alive. No, no, he's not. Not only is he not alive, he's been dead for an hour and a half. It's impossible. I'm telling you, he's alive. Well, he he threatened to lay down in front of the ambulance and not let them leave. So they kind of humored him and walked over. And as they say in Texas, sure enough, (laughs) I was alive. Not very, but I was. And they proceeded to get me out of that wreck that you saw. That took quite some time, really, uh, to do that. Well, these people are, they're heroes, first responders. I mean, they see things that no one should ever have to lay their eyes on. Thank God for them. So they got me out in about two hours. They put me on a gurney, uh, and they took me to a series of hospitals. (laughs) They took me one to a small one, not very far. They didn't even take me out of the ambulance there. They said, there's nothing we can do for him. They took me to a regional hospital on I-45 between Dallas and Houston. And there they did stabilize me, and they made arrangements for me to be airlifted to the nearest level tra- one trauma center, Houston, where I was headed. Except that the weather was too bad for helicopters to fly that day. So I'm in the back of an ambulance now on the way from Huntsville to Houston, 70 miles in the back of an ambulance. That accident happened at 11.45 in the morning. I arrived at Memorial Herman Hospital in Houston at 6.15 that night, six and a half hours after the wreck. I would be in a hospital bed from that night forward for 13 months. And I would have 34 operations to put me back together again. They told me I would never walk. I walked in here today. and When I'm finished, I'm walking out. I have good news for you. God is still in the miracle business. And I may not look like much, but it's a miracle that I'm here. It was a long, dark night for all of us, truly. Every day was, I developed double pneumonia, uh, which is absolutely deadly, even though I had lived. And they had to do something drastic, either remove what was left of my limb. I lost four and a half inches of femur. It was ejected from the car and never found. I must have went into the river. I put my arm up like this, and when I did, it took my arm over over the seat into the back seat of the car. And from here forward was lying on the back seat. The car. Um, I broke my right leg. The dashboard collapsed on my right leg. So I had been torn apart. I had double pneumonia. Forget the injuries. If you have double pneumonia, you're probably going to die of pneumonia. So brought my wife in and proposed to her some new experimental treatments that they had never tried before. They had nothing to lose, that's for sure. So they put these on me. Uh, we should have a side picture of that. It's pretty gruesome, I warn you in advance which will make some of you want to even see it more. But uh, there it is. That's called an external fixator. It's, uh, it's a Russian bone stretching device. Doesn't it look like a, something from the Soviet Union? It is. They break your leg in another place. And then they put these halos around you and turn screws on them four times a day to try to stretch the bone that's inside to close the gap where the bone is missing. I wore that for a year. Uh, 30 open wounds in my leg, 24 hours a day. The arm had to be stabilized with uh, bars of steel above it and below it, and those rods are going through the arm and coming out the other side. Since I lost everything in the arm, they transplanted bones from my pelvis into my arm, and they took skin off my leg and put it on my arm. Medical people have a wonderful knack for finding things you didn't even hurt, and hurt those for you to fix the other stuff. (laughs) which is what they did. So this is me for nearly nine months. Uh, A year for that and about eight, nine months on the other thing. That's what they did to stabilize me so I could be lifted up and receive breathing treatments. This thing was patented three weeks before my accident. had never been used before. So I think God's still in the miracle business. And that's important because you're going to need one. If you live long enough, you're going to need one. You may need several. And God, I mean, I just, I can't tell you in the past 35 years how many people whose hand I've held who were declared dead, who uh, lost their wife. Who, I mean, you fill in the blank. I've been through a hurricane. had uh, Their house had burned down. They declared bankruptcy. They got divorced in a messy, messy situation. I mean, I've, I just can't tell you how many people, I, I, I was in a church lobby just like the one out there not too long ago and a lady walked up and she was holding the book like this and she leaned down to where I was sitting got very uncomfortably close to my face and here's what she said you sent me this book in jail I said yes ma'am we sent a lot of books to jail I heard some somebody last week that wanted a book I said it's the only way they can get them you know you can't take a book to jail but you can send it to them so she asked for it I sent it to her she was in jail for her fifth D-W-I, D-U-I. She had run out of options. She couldn't do community, ta- she couldn't do anything. She, she was in jail. She was in her late 50s, early 60s. She said, I, I never been to jail. I didn't know what to do. I thought I was going to die in there. So I asked one of the other ladies, how do how you make it in here? And she said, well, I've got to tell you, you're not going to be the way you were before they put you in here. You're going to be different now. Okay. Hey, there's a book I read about this guy who, was killed in a car wreck, and he knew he was not going to be the way he was before. Uh, Maybe you should read it. It's called 90 Minutes in Heaven. She said, I got in contact with you. You sent me the book. I read it. And I just came here today to ask you to pray for me. I said, of course. What's going on? She said, three weeks from today in this church, I'm going to start leading Celebrate Recovery for addicts and alcoholics. And I said, who better than you? And she said, I know. I had to go through that to get to this. You know, I had to find a new normal after this. I was not going to be the same. I mean, I've been knocked down, but I haven't been knocked out. I'm still here. I mean, you notice I haven't been in any Olympics since this happened. They didn't ask me. Uh, There's a lot of things I can't do anymore. But what I can do is tell you that God is still in the miracle business and that God answers prayer. I." I know I, I don't look like much, but, I mean, people prayed, and I'm here. Jesus said in John chapter 14, you, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. We have not because we ask not. We need to pray big. I mean, they were praying. Dick on a record was praying over a dead body, and I'm here. So God can do anything. He's God. And he sent me back. Now, i got to tell you, I wasn't very enthusiastic about that. You lay in a bed like that for a year and then have three years of rehabilitation, you got to figure, hey, I bottomed out one morning. I mean, I just bottomed out. I'm in that hospital room, the same one I lived in all those months. And I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. you know what I'm talking about? There was, they were offering me no hope. I mean, it just, I just hit the bottom. There's one good thing that can happen when you hit the bottom, and maybe that's where you are today you can push off. And so I decided to push off. Here's what I'm doing. This is visual, so you may have to look up here. I'm shaking my It's 3 o'clock in the morning. and There's obviously nobody around in my room. And I'm I've had it. So I'm shaking my fist at God and saying, why can't you send somebody here who understands what this is like? If I could just talk to somebody who gets it. People are nice to me. They're praying for me. But they don't understand what wearing one of these is like and they didn't there wasn't anybody like that and i'm pleading with god to send somebody who understands and god utterly rebuked me here three o'clock i'm talking to god and here's what god said one of the two times i've heard the verbal voice of god unquestionably here's what god said to me this is not about you it's about me And what I can do through you now, I can never do before the truck ran over you. You need to get over your pity party, and you need to stop shaking your fist at me, and you need to take the same hand and reach out to other people because you'll understand how they feel. Now, that's a word for some of you. That's a word. You're clapping, but that's a word for you. You're never going to forget what happened to you. Man, older, elder man, he's lost his wife. He came up to me, he was in tears. He said, I don't know why God took my wife and left me here. She was the good one. I said, well, let me ask you something. Do you have any people in your church that have lost loved ones, spouses? Oh, yeah, we got lots. I said, instead of whining and moaning about the loss, and I understand what a powerful thing it is, I've lost them too. I said, why don't you go to some of those people in your church And put your arm around him and say, you know, I understand how you feel. I've kind of gone through the same thing. And I'll be here for you. If you have any questions or you just want to talk, I'll help you. Then you'll know why you went through that. Or you can shake your fist at God and say, why did this happen to me? Tonight, when you put your head on the pillow, think about this. Or... Let me help you. Let me help you. You know, my dad would come and see me in the hospital. My dad's retired army. He fought in World War II, Korea and Vietnam. Thank God for our veterans. My my father was an authentic American hero. My dad would come see me, but he was tough as nails. He would come see me in the hospital. You saw the picture. If we could put that picture back up again, the horizontal picture where I'm in the middle. You have to imagine now him down at the foot of the bed in the hospital room, and, and quiet. My mother, my mother came in the room one time. She saw this, and she passed out. So she never came in the room again. She would stand outside in the hall and talk around the door, and I would talk back to her. She couldn't bear to look at this. Dad had seen everything. Vietnam, Korea, World War II. So he's sit down there and he walks around to the other side, quietly. And my old, crusty, master sergeant dad takes a hold of my hand and he leans down and he says this, Son, I'd give anything to trade places with you. It's my dad. He meant that. I know I have three children. Back in December of last year, we lost our oldest to cancer. I know what it's like. Nicole, what an awesome lady she was. My little girl. My dad's holding my hand. I got better, but I'll never forget that as long as I live. Later, he got worse. Time caught up with him. He has emphysema. He has congestive heart failure. I'm visiting him in the hospice, and I'm holding onto his gnarled, arthritic hand, and I'm telling him how much I love him and how much I appreciate him, how much I care about him. I let go of the hand. We, I walked down in the hall. My mother followed me out there. My, my mother stood beside him literally his entire life, except when he was overseas fighting wars. She was there. She followed me outside. My mother takes my hands. She looks at me and she says, Son, I'm so glad you came to see your father. You know, the the doctors have tried to treat him. They give him drugs to try to calm him down to make him feel better. She said, "But Son, I got to tell you, nothing makes your father feel better than when one of his children comes to talk to him. Some of you need to talk to the father. I'm an answered prayer. It works. So talk to God. Prayer moves the hand of God. You want to see continued revival here? It's going to start with prayer every time. I believe in prayer. When the truck hit me, I was standing at the gates of heaven. I didn't go down a long tunnel. The weather bright, light at the end of the tunnel. That didn't happen for me. Some of the people in after death, that's exactly what happened for them. For me, it was instantaneous. I believe when you get killed at 110 miles an hour, it's instantaneous. I took my last breath on the bridge. I took my next breath at the gates of heaven. There are 12 gates of heaven, according to Revelation 21, and I was at one of them. It looks like the inside of an oyster. It is pearl. It's a gate made of pearl. It's dazzling. It's iridescent. It's beautiful. I thought it was alive. Looking back on it now, I think it was because... The light reflecting off the gate made it look alive. If you've ever had the inside of an oyster and turned it around, you could see that's a pearly gate. And that's what this was. And if you, you wouldn't be able to see heaven with, with earthly eyes. But when you're there, you won't have earthly eyes. It is that bright. It is that brilliant. God is the light. And you're basking in the glow, even at the gates. And so I'm surrounded by people who I know and loved in life who preceded me in death. Heaven is a magnificent reunion with those who have preceded me. Did I know them? Absolutely I knew them. And absolutely they were expecting me. Yeah, people in heaven don't miss you. They expect you. And they were expecting me. Let me tell you something. I mean, the report this morning is that we had 300 folks come to Christ last week. Guess what? They're still singing for those people in heaven. Those names are, are etched in a book up there called The Lamb's Book of Life. You want your name in this book. And the people are expecting them. Even now they're expecting them. You say, well, that must get tired. No, there's no time in heaven. You never grow weary in heaven. So those people met me at the gates. The first person I saw was my grandfather. I had been with him and he died. He had a heart attack. I rode with him in the ambulance. I, they did everything they could. I mean, I'm telling you, you stand outside that emergency room and the doctor comes out and says, I'm sorry, we lost him. I got a lot of broken bones, but nothing hurts like a broken heart. And When, it, when he died, he broke my heart. Very close to him. Remember, my dad's always off fighting wars. Papa never left. Now I'm standing at the gates of heaven and there he is. Last time I saw him, he did not look good. He was in a casket. Now he's standing there waiting for me. He extends his hands and says, Welcome home, Donnie. In a language I've never heard before but fully understood. Heaven has its own language. And he extends his hands. Welcome home, Donnie. Well, nobody else called me that but him. He was waiting for me. You know, on earth, he had a hard life and worked difficult, difficult, dangerous jobs. He was missing three fingers on one hand and two on the other. I looked down at those hands as he greeted me And all of his fingers were there. I've never seen him before. You're going to be perfect in heaven. You're going to look good. I know some of you uh, went in front of the mirror today and tried to doll yourself up. That's good, it's highly commendable. But I got news for you you're going to look good in heaven. My great grandmother was standing right beside him. On earth, she walked like this, she had osteoporosis. She was always looking down. In fact, when she was looking at you, she was technically looking up because she was so slumped over, okay? She also had no teeth. Uh, I told you my grandfather was missing fingers. She was missing her teeth. She had no teeth. She had a set of dentures, which she referred to as store-bought teeth. She did not like them. (laughs) She never wore them except to church on Sunday morning she put in her dentures and she would come. To, as soon as she got home, because I saw this with my own eyes, she would take the dentures out and put them in a glass of water beside a sink in the kitchen. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When we were little boys, and we didn't have anything to do, sometimes we'd just go in the kitchen and stare at Grandma's teeth. And they were always smiling back at us. But at the gates of heaven... My great-grandmother, Hetty was about six inches taller there than she is here, and she smiled at me. It was the first time in my existence I saw my great-grandmother's real smile. It was beautiful. There's only one person in heaven with scars, and that's Jesus Christ, to remind the rest of us of how we got there. In fact, the only man-made thing in heaven are the scars of Jesus but you won't have any on you. You'll be without spot, without blemish, inside and out. Many of you carry scars on the inside. I told you about the death of our daughter back in December. We're about to commemorate the year anniversary there. She left behind a husband and two kids. We've become instant parents again. But we're there, and we will be. Back in June, I had five coronary bypasses. I've got a scar from here down to here. I was laying in the hospital bed, and of course you saw my injuries. I I suddenly thought to myself as I looked down at that scar that goes all the way down here, I'm at the point in life where my scars have scars. (laughs) And maybe that describes you inside and out. You've carried heavy burdens. You've gone through long, dark nights. I have good news for you. In heaven, no scars. You'll be perfect. My next door neighbor was there, uh, Miss Norris. You know, I told you my dad was always overseas. My mother didn't drive for a long time. I didn't have any way to go anywhere. Miss Norris uh, had foster children in her house. So we always had playmates next door. But she also carried everybody to church on Sunday. She had what was called a station wagon. It's kind of a prelude to SUVs. And she would drive up and down the streets of the neighborhood and pick up anybody who wanted to go to church. Guess what? I wanted to go to church. My grandmother took me when I was at her house. But I didn't have any other way to go. I got in that car with Miss Norris. She would pull up in front of my house and she would roll down the window and she'd say, Honey, would you like to go to the Lord's house today? And I said, Yes, ma'am, I surely would. Get in. I would get in with all those kids in the back seat. She would take me to Summer Grove Church, and I heard about Jesus. Ms. Norris met me, met me at the gates of heaven. She deserved to be there. She helped me get there. I, I could tell you the stories of many others who met me there, two boys that were killed in high school who were in my Bible study class. I mean, I, listen. I was greeted by the people who helped me get there. What does that say about why you're here? I think we're here to help everyone else get there. I think we have much work to do at school, at work, in your neighborhood, wherever you live, amongst your family and friends. I know you've got people you love here. Don't you want to love them there? Well, bring them to church, for goodness sakes. Give them a Bible. Tell them about Jesus and live a Christian life in front of them so they'll know what one is. (laughs) Heaven is a great reunion. Well, I can see over their heads through the the gate. It's very small, really just big enough for one person. And that's how we go in, one at a time. It's a personal decision. So I'm going in now. People have passed me. Angels are everywhere. There was one in the car with me. That's another story. But angels are everywhere. Some have six wings. Some have two. Some have none. Angels. So I'm going in past the angels. I'm going past the music. If you like music, you're going to have a great time in heaven. We sang praise songs today. God loves praise songs. He alone is worthy of our worship. And so you can hear, listen to this. Thousands of songs at the same time without chaos. Because all the songs were symbiotic. You could hear each one of them, and yet they did not clash with each other. Where else could that happen but heaven? I brought that music back with me. I I carry it with me everywhere. The more weary I grow here, the louder the music grows in my soul. I can't wait to hear that music again. I want you to hear it. God wants you to hear it. But you have to be ready, prepared. So I'm going past the music. I'm going past the aromas. Heaven has its own aroma. One of the aromas of heaven is the incense of the prayers of the saints coming from the throne of God. Imagine that. Colors you've never seen before. Heaven's a sensory explosion. It's a buffet for the senses. I, nothing here is ever compared with there. And trust me, I've had some wonderful experiences here. Heaven is so real. I want to go in. I want to go down that, through that thick wall. I want to go down the Golden Boulevard. Yes, there's a Golden Boulevard that bisects the city. I wanted to go past the tree of life, the trees of life, which we eat from in heaven. You, you, yes, because there's no knowledge of good and evil in heaven, only good. We'll eat, we eat. We do not eat to stay alive in heaven, only for, for, for fellowship. Church is way ahead of the curve on this. You know, We've been eating for fellowship for a long time. <laughs> well, that happens in heaven. God wants his children together at the table. So I'm going in now. Because I want to go down the boulevard. I wanted to climb the pinnacle in the middle of the city where the thrones are. And I just wanted to at the feet of the great God of all creation and say, thank you. Thank you for letting me come. Thank you. But I, I never got a chance. As I, as I crossed the threshold, the music, the aromas, the reunion, it all stopped by myself. In silence and darkness, and I wanted to make my voice speak, but I was unable to do so. What I wanted to say is, "What's going on?" I just, I just got here. What's happening? And before I could get an answer or make my voice speak, I heard a voice—only one—behind me in the darkness. What a friend we have in Jesus. Dick Onoraker singing behind me. I don't know who he is. I don't know why I'm singing. I didn't know for a long time why I was hurt so badly and scarred so much. I understand now. It was so I could be here today and tell you to your face: heaven is real. It's real. You know what? It won't matter if you're not going. So I'm talking to you men and women, boys and girls, on an individual basis, just me and you. And that is if you were to die on the way home from church today, that's how I got killed, would you go to heaven? I'm I'm pleading with you not to leave here. Don't walk out one of these doors if you're not sure of your eternal salvation. And we're taking reservations right now. And the reason is because we love you here and we want to love you there. I gave an altar call in Hawaii in a theater that was just kind of like this. It went up, seats were up there. And people began to come forward. And a lady over against the wall was coming forward in a wheelchair. You don't see that every day. By herself. She was trying to get that wheelchair to come forward, and she was very elderly. I could tell, oh, my goodness. Well, I was in a wheelchair for a couple of years, I understand. So I wanted to leave the stage and go over there where she was and help her get her wheelchair down to the front. There were counselors, like there will be in a moment. And so she's having trouble. Somebody in the audience saw her and pushed her all the way down. She was having a very animated conversation with one of the counselors. And I thought, wow, I'd like to hear that conversation. I got to after the service was over. I walked over and I leaned down to this lady and I said, hi. She said, hello. I said, did you, you came down, did you have a decision that she made? Yes, I sure did, she said. I said, what is that? She said, I just gave my heart to Jesus. I said, do you know the angels are singing your name right now announcing that you're on the way? Here's what she said. I don't think it's going to be too long before I get there. I said, ma'am, if you don't mind my asking, how old are you? She said, 95. I said, <laughs> let me get this straight, you just rolled your own wheelchair down here and gave your heart to Jesus at the age of 95. She said, uh-huh. Then she started crying. I said, are you okay? She said, yes, I'm just thinking about the life I could have led if I had given us a long time ago. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, but you're here now, and you've made your decision now. She said, you know, my neighbors have pleaded with me for decades come to church and finally I came tonight just to spite them I came just so they could get off my back she said I have a very nominal Buddhist background I just call myself that I never practiced it but tonight I know I needed Jesus and I gave my heart to him let me say this to you If a 95-year-old woman can roll her wheelchair down the aisle and give her heart to Jesus, you can do it. I don't know what you think is stopping you, but you know what? I got killed on the way home from church. And I'm serious, really serious, deadly serious. So I'm just pleading with you to give your heart to Christ today. We're taking reservations right now. Heaven is real. And Jesus is the way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for a church that does stuff like this. That's where I want to be. Thank you for the ministry here, all the people who do minister here. I pray, Lord, for great insight and wisdom in the coming days of the church, Lord. Just bless the church. And right now, Lord, I'm talking to individuals who are sitting in these seats right now. Some of them are ready. Some are not. And you know who, but maybe they don't. So, Lord, I pray that they will incline their hearts towards you and listen. Just like Dick record did on the bridge. He did not understand why he would be praying over a dead body, but he was obedient, and that's what God is looking for. So, if you wait till you understand it, you may never do that. Right now, it's by faith. It's by faith that you could come to Christ. Believing that he is who he said he is. He is the son of God. He paid the price so we can go to heaven. No sin can ever enter heaven. And that condemns all of us because we know we've we've done things that God didn't want us to do and we failed to do things that, that he wanted us to do. We are sinners. But it's in coming to Jesus and saying, I know I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to forgive me. I know that's the reason you died on the cross for my sin." I accept that. I accept you. I want to repent. I want to turn from the way I have been living. I want to live for you from this day forward. So, Lord, speak to me. Forgive me. And come into my heart. I want to live for you from this day forward. Until that day when you call me home. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. you believe it, the angels are singing your name right now. It's being inscribed in the Lord's book of life. Hey, they're expecting you someday in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand together. This is called uh, an altar call or an invitation, various names. The bottom line is, is that we to have the opportunity for you to come forward and share your, your decision. There will be people here who would love to counsel with you, answer your questions, pray with you. I want to ask them to come down now. We have those folks. Come down now. and While they're coming, you start coming. Come and give your heart to Jesus. Come to to Jesus. Make a reservation in heaven right now. Come on. You know who you are. Come to Jesus. Come on. Young people, 95-year-old women in wheelchairs, just come to Jesus, would you? Come on, you know who you are. We're taking reservations right now. Yeah, we love you here, we wanna love you there. Come on, come to Jesus, you know who you are. We're gonna pray for you, we're gonna stand by you, we're gonna love you, we're gonna disciple you. We're going to do all those things. Come to Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come to Jesus. Make a reservation in heaven right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Keep coming. Don't stop if you're on the way. Come on. Awesome. You're on the way. Don't stop now. Keep coming. Hey, listen, everybody. In a moment, Pastor Josh is going to come and conclude the service as the Lord leads him. But my wish for you today, my hope, my prayer, my deep, deep faith and belief is that If I don't see you again here, I'll see you there. And we'll be home. And that applies to all of you. One of these days you may read an obituary that that guy who wrote that book is dead. Believe me, I'll be more alive then than I ever was now. I sign all my books. See you at the gates. I'll see you at the gates. come on we can do
3: just a little bit better than that come on can we honor don piper today i I, want to do something very quickly before we bless you and before you leave today first of all i want to give our online audience a chance if you're watching us today and you've heard this message And you can feel eternity ringing in your heart and your spirit. Please know Jesus loves you. He died for you. Please type saved in the comments. Our team will minister to you. I want to do something, and, and I know I'm not here to prolong it. There doesn't need to be another sermon said. There doesn't need to be another scripture read. But I do feel like there are more people in this room today who are uncertain about where they are in eternity. And when it comes to their relationship with God, I want to give you a chance if you're in this room and you've heard that heaven is real, you've heard that Jesus loves you, and that he paid the price for your sins. He took stripes upon his back, a crown of thorns upon his head, nails in his hands and his feet, my friend,
1: because he loves you and he wanted you to desperately make it to heaven.